You're listening to They Must Be Destroyed On Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. And hello, welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 231. And you didn't hear an opening clip because it's all in another language, so it wouldn't really help you all that much. And I'm not going to have any silly nicknames for us this time because this, I think this movie is a little too serious to be too fucking silly about. Uh, but uh, I'm your host, I Lee think. Russell. Yeah. And I am joined by my co-host, Lee Hardy. How are you doing, ma'am? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Good. <laughs> and- <laughs> Just a delay in the answer. <laughs> I had to take a drink. Whew. We have a doozy this time out, guys. Uh, we don't usually, we don't do a lot of documentaries. I think maybe we've done one documentary on this show in our entire run. We certainly talked about them once in a while on our, what we've watched lately and stuff like that, but um, we generally don't do them. But uh, this is a special occasion because uh, Lady Lee is taking film courses for her education, and one of them uh, gave her a big list of movies to do, and uh, this is one of them. So we thought, well, since she's a co-host of a podcast now, she's got a perfect sounding board <laughs> to actually, you know, bounce ideas back and forth and talk about these movies before she has to, you know, turn in a paper or some sort of discussion about this. So we are going to be doing The Act of Killing from 2012, which uh, is some pretty heavy shit. Uh, We will get into it. But um, before we do that, we do have one little piece of feedback uh, in relation to this movie. And uh, this is from my friend Brady from the solid six podcast, which is an excellent fucking podcast, especially if you guys like uh, really intelligent talks about movies, they fucking kill it every time. And they're fun. They're not stuffy and boring and pretentious. They're just really, really smart about movies. He sent this to me on Twitter and he said, uh, the director here, Oppenheimer uh, produced, but did not direct a new bo- uh, documentary about uh, Colonia Dignidad, a Chilean commune created by Nazi immigrants. Um, similar themes as Act of Killing, where people reflect on the atrocities done in the village. Not out yet, though. Crazy shit. And yeah, and he uh, linked a trailer. I looked at it and yeah, I'm definitely interested in watching especially after watching this uh Mm -hmm. i like i like uh i like oppenheimer's approach to these things so um i have so much to say about it (laughs) mm, even if he's just producing this i I figure it's probably going to be pretty much in the same vein in a lot of ways so it'll be interesting to uh, see what that's like but uh yeah thank you for that brady Moving on, I know you have a couple things you've watched in the last little while, Lee, so uh, go ahead. So the first one I want to talk about, uh, I recently watched, was called The Reckoning. 
which basically was it was based back like during the plague when they accused mostly women of witchcraft if they survived the plague so they basically torched them whatever made them say that hey you're fucking the devil mm-hmm. you're the reason why the plague didn't get you it has a lot of mixed reviews like if you look on shutter it's really popular oh. but then <laughs> if you look on but yeah if you look on like rotten tomato or like imbd it's not as popular but if you look on google it's like more popular so it's got a lot of mixed reviews i really mm-hmm. enjoyed it i did find it i think i have a bit of a bias though because like i did find it a bit of like a female empowerment movie i did have an issue though i don't want to give away too much because i know you said you want to see it for someone who gets tortured uh her recovery is very quick that's the only thing i think that really bugged me i think that like i did think the acting was really good uh i thought the plot was really good i thought the ending was really good i really enjoyed it all but yeah that was the only thing that really bugged me it just it took away from the surrealness did she recover quick because she actually was in league with the devil i'm not saying anything you have to watch it (laughs) i know you watch it so i'm not giving anything away i know we're talking about spoilers but this is not the movie we're talking about so and you said it's on your list to watch Mm -hmm. so i'm not touching on that i'm not ruining it for you all right i appreciate it second one i watched was uh called afternoon delight Oh. Uh, it's a 2013 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it's about this like mom who's just kind of looking for more in life, and she ends up going to a strip club, and she runs into the stripper, and then she makes friends with the stripper, and then she invites the stripper to stay at home. Finds out the stripper's a prostitute, and um, she tries to help her, and like put her on the right path. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why this movie bothered me. Um, first of all. Uh, there was no reason, no real reason. I know she had a bad breakup, but you still can recover from that. Uh, mm-hmm. She didn't need rescuing. The stripper did not need rescuing. And then the stripper enjoyed her job. So it's not she like she had to switch careers. It's just this woman wanted to make her switch careers. And then essentially this woman just destroyed her life. And there's no consequences for it. Like it's so casually brought up that, oh, she, the stripper, um, was rejected by everybody and the mother wouldn't allow her to babysit kids because she thought it would be bad and then rejected her entirely which brought her back to drinking mm. which then the stripper does do, like it fucks up once and then uh, it's like shuns her out destroys her and then everyone's pissed off because she's like you had a stripper you had a stripper she was a prostitute like it was so insulting to sex workers that movie mm. was insanely insulting to sex workers I have nothing against sex workers it is absolutely a job. Like it is absolutely something people, and people fucking enjoy it. I've watched documentaries of women who do it and men and they enjoy it. They like it. They fucking like to fuck and they get paid for it. Mm-hmm. And to have this movie just kind of shit on it to say like, I need to rescue you. And by the way, if you fuck up once because of me, I'm just going to toss you aside and ruin your life. Oof. Like it was, I don't know. It aggravated me the whole movie. Like I got to the end. I thought it was going to be something about like pro sex workers, but it just turned out to be like a shit on. Like it was stupid. I didn't yeah. like it. That sucks. <laughs> Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the feel good movie of this year. You know, if it's the first time watching it, the act of killing from 2012. You ungodly warlock. Uh, there's the show called movie melt and you probably know about it. Uh, and it's once every two, I have no idea how often this is uploaded. <laughs> and it's a show where a bunch of companeros get together and we play some fun games, trivia mainly. Uh, we talk about new releases. Uh, we have some fun games where we try and 
guess the title of the movie based on stuff that really probably religious people write on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, it takes about 20 hours to record. There's always a failure midway through. Uh, and then the highlight of the week of the, of the show is um, reviewing a movie. Usually it's kind of a interesting, lesser known cult type movie. And it's uh, quite enjoyable. It sounds good in theory, yes. <laughs> I might have a listen one day. <laughs> wow. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. <laughs> no one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, Rude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history all yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it. But it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. You ungodly warlock. of killing from 2012 this is directed by 
Joshua Oppenheimer, who is an American-born British film director. Uh, his other major work, he's done quite a few things, but this is, um, it's the companion piece to this, actually, from 2014, The Look of Silence, which actually uh, switches kind of the perspectives of uh, the uh, sides in this uh, conflict that uh, this sort of talks about. Um, and it's kind of interesting. I guess it's a bit more confrontational than this movie is that we're doing tonight. It's also directed by an anonymous Indonesian film director, I believe. Uh, there's actually a lot of people on the crew of this are anonymous because they were afraid they'd be killed. And yeah. quite, quite, quite rightly so. And another director, Christine Sin, who I don't know anything about. I didn't. I, I just did sort of like a brief look through and I didn't see like a link to her from the Wikipedia page. So I was like, I could go to her IMDb, but maybe she's, this is the only thing she's kind of done. I don't know. It's because you're female, right? Don't yeah, care. That's why. I mean, <laughs> what's this broad doing here on this fucking movie? I don't know. Um, bitch. Yeah. Uh, who talk, who, which lady knows about movies? Like, seriously. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know why they let you in that film course. Like, what's going on? <laughs> don't even know why you uh, have me on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, fuck, man. I'm only I'm only doing it because you're the token female. That's why. <laughs> so our stars, quote unquote, of this are just the real life people that we're uh, sort of following in this. Uh, so we have Anwar Congo, and he was an executioner from 1965. We'll get into all of these people a little bit more in detail as we're going along here. Uh, we've got Herman Koto, who is a gangster and a paramilitary leader. And we have uh, Sam. I'm going to fuck some of these names up. So just, just you know, be aware. <laughs> Semisol Arafin as the governor of North Sumatra. Abraham Sanik as a newspaper publisher. Oh, fuck this guy. I hated him so much. Um, oh, my God. Wormy little fuck, man. Uh, Yapto. Oh, my God. Sword Josemaron Arno as the leader of the Pansilium uh, uh, youth. And this guy's a piece of shit, too. He was the uh, misogynist motherfucker who was like had like a girl next to him talking about. I bet there's a mole. I bet there's a mole on your pussy, right? You, yeah. Did you, did, yeah yeah that fucking guy uh, that was the same guy where he took a picture and she's like oh she shouldn't dye her hair she looks like a whore mm -hmm. and then right after that the they the men are are filmed talking around the table about some other girl and how she sucked a bunch of them off and and, and drank all their cum yeah Not one drop fell on the ground oh <laughs> They're Fuck all awful people. people. They're all They're awful. The fucking worst. Uh, Safet uh, Perdidi as a local paramilitary leader. Uh, Joseph Kala as the vice president of Indonesia. And Adi, and this is, well, I'll get into it, but this guy is the one who disturbed me the most. Adi uh, Sulkadri as a fellow executioner from 1965. I should mention this is also produced by two very prominent documentarians themselves ex executive produced uh werner herzog and errol morris who uh also sort of tackle a lot of weird and sometimes really delicate subjects like this one the synopsis here from imdb a documentary which challenges former indonesian death squad leaders to reenact re their mass killings in whichever cinematic genre they wish including classic hollywood crime scenarios and lavish musical numbers and yeah that's sort of what it is uh, i guess it does challenge them to recreate these things because other than that the movie doesn't i, I mean i think it does take a side but it 
doesn't overtly directly challenge these people. It doesn't, no. Just as a quick little background here first before we get started, uh, the original idea behind this was they were going to go to Indonesia. And so in 64-65, there was a coup that was failed. And it was blamed on the Communist Party and Communist synthesizers and uh, Chinese nationals who lived in, or or ethnic Chinese that lived in Indonesia at the time. And the military took it upon themselves to use that as an excuse to basically purge the country of over a million of them. So they killed a lot of fucking people. And originally this was going to be focused on sort of the families of the victims, but they quickly kind of learned that very little people wanted to talk because those people are still persecuted to this day in Indonesia to some extent. And a lot of them were just afraid for their lives. But as they were going around, they kept bumping in to the people behind the killings because they're actually prominent citizens in Indonesia. And so they decided, well, let's switch to them because these people are openly talking about what they did 40 years ago, 50 years ago now. So that's sort of where this documentary shifted to. And yeah, we're just going to like start riffing here and getting into it. And I'll throw over to you first, uh, Lee. What are your sort of general thoughts on this? This was a really interesting way to get information in a way, in a sense of not being able to really interview people. Because like you said, there's a lot of people who feared for lives still, which is totally understandable. But it was it was probably the most clever way to get the most raw footage, like the realistic actual representation of these people these people said here we're just going to go in and we're going to say we want you to show us so it's almost like saying hey we want to hear your side of the story instead of Mm -hmm. just hearing the bad side of the story because a few times they mentioned like oh we're seen as bad we're seen as bad and I thought this was interesting because this was kind of giving the opportunity to say okay let's take away who is the good guy who's the bad guy we just want to hear your side yeah. And because of this, they were really honest, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which was <laughs> so hard to listen to. But anyways, they were really honest and they just, they told you as it was. And the the way they did it, the way they directed it, it was, okay, first of all, um, The Art of Killing is probably the most clever title they could have used because there were so many times when it was mentioned that they were trying to make it seem like fun because it was a way to like actually do it without feeling remorse. And then they yeah. said, um, well, we do it for God or we do it for a country. We do it for this. And it's, it's all these excuses and this validity trying to make it sound like it was okay to murder all these people. So it was like justification for it. And I think the title um, speaks for that. Like the same mm-hmm. act of killing. It's not just killing. It's like, Hey, let's see how we can do this to make it so that it's fun or that it's uh, legal or that it's, um, for purpose it's just yeah <laughs> it's just they they kind of present to these people and all these people across the board there is not a sympathetic person in this they're they're all monsters basically and they're basically given the opportunity here they're sort of led to believe they're given the opportunity to produce like a propaganda piece for themselves that hmm. shows the justification because 
behind the stuff they did. And it is a very interesting way to get in the mindset of mass murderers and see what makes them tick, like what justifications they have, if they have any at all. And I should mention, so this is neither one of us are like historians and history buffs on this incident or anything. So if you're expecting that sort of background, shouldn't really listen to this podcast about that, but you actually shouldn't watch this documentary either. Cause it's not, a deep exploration in the actual genocide itself and the pol- political reasons behind it. Like, a lot of people it's, complained it's, about that. Mm-hmm. Like for the yeah, negative it, views, that's what they... Yeah, it's it's not interested in the different sides of the conflict. Um, it's, it's much more interested in just the killers and the aftermath of their actions on modern Indonesia and how Indonesia sort of come to terms with it. Most of the killers themselves admit that back in the day when the initial thing was, well, we're purging the country of these communists who are trying to destroy our way of life. The actual communists in Indonesia was a much smaller group of people than they let on. And it was just a propaganda boogeyman to justify killing anyone who opposed them or was a perceived threat of some sort. And Yeah, it didn't matter. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, it didn't matter what they believed in. It was just, if you say anything against what we believe, you're a communist, we're going to torture you and we're going to murder you. Like, that's mm-hmm. it. There was no actual proof of that person. It was like, it was basically like the, the witches back in the day. <laughs> that's kind of what it reminded me of. Didn't matter what you said, you were guilty because you didn't yep. see or want to do what they wanted to do. So you were guilty. So you were tortured until you agreed to it and then you were murdered. Yeah. Or you just. Yeah tortured death the, the people were actively you know involved in these in these murders and stuff so they're like we said they're so open about this but yeah also the the sort of power structure they put in place like the people who benefited from this who weren't directly involved in the murders and even the politicians up to that point who you know were probably kids during the time that this happened. Uh, a lot of them, or some of them, not maybe weren't even born uh, until after that happened. But are you know people in power today? They openly talk about the corruption in their own government and their own society, and they just admit it. Like they just openly admit that. Oh yeah, no, we um, we extort people, uh, we we abuse power. We get bribes. And the movie also sort of makes a point on how this was, you know, backed by Western powers, you know, during the Cold War, because the whole thing was the military was anti-communist. And that was right in the height of the Cold War. It was like any country in Asia that was opposing communism, uh, America was going to throw its hat behind basically in support and like it opened up doors for American businesses. Like the opening shot in this film is of the skyline of like, I think maybe Jakarta or one of the cities and there's a big McDonald's sign there. There's this upper crust of the society that's very Westernized and, and very open to American and Western business as a whole. And then there's this whole other level of poverty underneath it. That's just like, you, you don't see it below the skyline, you know? And uh, I thought it was a really good way of making that point without directly like lecturing the person watching about what was going on. It's, it's just, it just goes with the style of this whole thing where it's not confronting these killers so much as just letting them talk and, and, you know, hang themselves with their own noose. 
it's fascinated the fuck out of me the whole time just watching these people. First of all, I had a crazy amount of rage. I'm just going to say that right now. I had a crazy mm-hmm. amount of rage from beginning to end. There was no time where I ever felt pity or sad or anything. Um, but there... The way they let them talk mm-hmm. really captivated, like, who they were as people. Now, uh, Anwar, am I saying that right? The, the main guy, Anwar Congo, yeah. Yeah, Anwar. Anwar was, per- like, I think I understand why they followed him the most, because he was honestly the most interesting. Because he, you could tell, he was doing it because he thought he was good. And the whole time he's like, yeah, I did it for the country. I did it for God. I did it because I it was fun. Like, I did it because I got money for it. I did it because I got, I got praise. I did it because I got popularity. And it was all these, like, excuses. And the whole time you could see him, like, deflecting and being very defensive. Like, constantly mm-hmm. being extremely defensive as to, like, why he did it. And anytime he tried to reach out to any of the people saying, like, oh, do you ever have nightmares? Do you ever have anything? And they're like, no, no, no. Like, they're completely stone cold. He was just this person who was manipulated from a young age. Like, even talking about uh, the propaganda movie they showed with the blood and gore to children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, you could see the manipulation that happened with Anwar. And then the realization of what a piece of shit he actually was. Do I feel pity for him? No. Do I enjoy the fact that there's actually some sort of justice because he finally feels pain? Yes. So that's what I thought was really interesting about this movie. Like that's how they started this documentary. I think it's called now we're going to get into like my textbooks, but like reflective Mm. uh, where it actually gets to kind of see a point of view from the people. And that was so goddamn powerful because you actually got to see like the actual reactions like the fucking news reporter uh herman uh the buddy that was a part of the filmmaking i can't remember his name now but he was also one of the executioners um Mm -hmm. the neighbor like this was all true reactions this was all true responses this was not okay well we're gonna do something this was like cool we're gonna hear your side just tell us like this was literally the un- most unbiased you can get like without trying to hide your true self yeah anwar congo so for people who have not seen this like he he looks like a kindly old grandfather at this point right like he he was 72 when this film was made he's dead and now. he yeah and he thankfully he's dead now he never paid for his crimes but he looks like he looks like nelson mandela that's how kind of weird it is to watch this is how surreal it kind of is to see this guy he dresses very he dances he dresses very flashy he's 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 a total narcissist he's got bad teeth he's got dentures yeah he's very very concerned about that he's very concerned about people liking him it's so corrupt in, in indonesia after this happened that for the next 40 to 50 years of these people's lives they were protected and heralded as heroes in society. And mm-hmm. because of, of the power structure they help put in place is what's sort of protecting them. That's why they're so openly brazen about the shit they say and do and what they did, because there's no consequences. Mm-hmm. Like and they're so, celebrated. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it's, it's this bad. The vice president shows up at the rally for the paramilitary group that, was you know the the key execution group back in the day that's now like the big right-wing paramilitary group in the country that does all the you know oversees all the basically the crime and corruption in, in Indonesia and he he he's dressed in their colors and he's speaking about how great it was that we killed the communists and you know he he's he's talking openly about how great it was that this group murdered all these people 
Now, I'm not going to say all these politicians are necessarily speaking what they actually feel. Like, it, to be a politician in Indonesia, at least at this point, you kind of had to toe that party line because if you didn't, you were never going to get anywhere, right? So, like, a lot of these people are really afraid. A lot of these people are, were really afraid of Anwar Congo, this frail old man. They would turn the other way. They would, you know, pretend to agree with him and laugh with him and pretend to be friendly with him. But a lot of these politicians that he helped put in power want nothing to do with him because he was just this remorseless killer. And it's very interesting. You do get true reactions from these people. Sometimes you see them shake. You see them look the other way and not make eye contact with Anwar or any of these other fucking thugs. Oh, my God. The merchants. Mm hmm. How uncomfortable that make you feel like watching that scene. Holy fuck. We, like we yeah, we watched the actual paramilitary group, members of it, go down into basically what is the Chinese the ethnic Chinese section of town and and just extort every merchant in town. But on the camera. Guy was shaking. Mm-hmm. The guy he comes up to him, he's like, you know, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm coming down here as a friend. You're like a you're like a father to us. Give us some money there, father, you know. And so he gives him a little money. No, I need more than that. I mean, come on now. We need more than that. They're just openly fucking extorting these people right on camera. And they don't feel bad about it at all because they don't they don't consider anyone who is like ethnically Chinese or a communist or whatever, quote unquote, as a person that's. They're, they're they don't just, think anybody's a person, and then like the yeah. people around them, because even those guys, like even the merchants, uh, the way they treated them, and like you said, the way they talked to them, and just the fear, like the guy mm -hmm. was almost in tears and he was shaking, and the other guy had this this smile. I always talk about it like the I joke about like the hyena laugh. And that's mm -hmm. all the guy did the whole time. He was just laughing, and you could clearly see in his eyes he was terrified, and he was yeah. like wanting this to end as quick as possible like you could see it in the camera he's got a big smile he's laughing but it's literally like a disguise for the actual pain and fear that he felt like it was mm -hmm. oh and then even the beginning the beginning when they're looking for actors uh, mm -hmm. to play in this movie which i don't think they found very many people but the the old lady where they're just knocking and they're like oh no no we're just 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 let us in just let us in like it mm -hmm. wasn't even like a can i come in it was just let us in like we need a we need an actor like you should be it you should we need you we need you and she's like no, i don't want to oh you're stupid like you need to do this you'll become a celebrity like just the disrespect like it didn't mm -hmm. someone said no and this was just a stupid movie that they wanted to do stupid movie but uh, yeah these people were so brazen it honestly it if i was feeling like at any second i was gonna see one of these guys fucking herman koto that big fat pig mm. i was gonna i was gonna see him just haul off and like hit this woman i, th I thought that was gonna happen like you i, I, I was scared to say no mm -hmm. and i mean because these these people like they use it in, intimidation and violence like just day to day and I felt like, man, some of these, one of these people, they're just going to go across the line. They're not going to care. Like uh, some of these people are kind of guarding themselves like Anwar Congo, like we mentioned, he, he sort of guards his reputation in this film. He tries really hard to like, he shies away from the tough questions and stuff. You know, he, he comes up with, you know, what he, he thinks is just, yeah, but, but fucking some, a lot of these other people, 
no mask at all. They're just, they're just so open about what they do and how they do it. And they show it like, it's almost a, it's almost a training video to be a fucking gangster. Basically. Um, it's at times because gangsters, like I, I, this was the weirdest thing to me. This is, this is the thing that just freaked me out. The word thug, the word gangster are celebrated terms by the politicians and people in society in this film. You got politicians saying thanks to the gangsters who are the free men who drive business and take risks that push society forward and shit. You know, these people who shake down lo- local ethnic Chinese shopkeepers and stuff. These thugs are the good people who get things done. They take risks. And as long as we, you know, direct them in a certain direction and reward them, it's perfectly fine. It's good for society if we do We that. won't murder them if they give mm-hmm. us money. Oh, oh man. The, the interview they did with the news reporter, the lady news reporter, where mm-hmm. they were talking and it was very celebrated. It was You could tell it was very, like, biased news that says, like, they are yeah. good people, like, whatever. Because the people in the back... You heard them say how yeah, the pe- like, shitty they were. Yeah, the the people like, running the the people running to production and the board. They were like all talking about they murdered so many people and like look, look how at many this people monster. They murder? A thousand. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's rich. That's why he he has a lot of money, but he's murdered a lot of people. It was just you could tell like they didn't want to do this. Like it was. Mm-hmm. You knew that the reporter had to go with the flow with that one because. Oh, yeah. She was just throwing softball questions and leading questions. I'm just sort of paraphrasing. But, you know, so how great was it that you killed the, the these uh, these communists, but you did it so uh, uh, humanely? You know, you found new humane methods to kill the communist scourge and stuff, you know, to make it make the their transition. Killing? Yeah. And of course, the audience were we're all just paid to be there, basically, are members of the uh, paramilitary group. Uh, Yeah. And then they also mentioned like in like the political rallies and stuff, everybody there is is basically paid to be there to to cheer it on. And when they when uh, Hermakoto there tries to run for politics. Mm. Uh, but he, you know, he's he's not rich enough to like bribe people. He's trying to do it without bribing people. And it's like everyone he walks up to, they're asking, "So, we're, are we going to get a present? Are we going to get a bribe? A yeah, we're going to get a shirt or something." And it's like, "No, we'll, we'll give it to you if we win." And it's like, well, even Anwar Congo's like, he's not gonna, he's not gonna get elected. <laughs> oh my god, this. There's so okay. So, the big thing I noticed with Anwar, he was another person where I noticed he always had like a hyena laugh because every time he talked about something horrible, he kind of like smile and laugh, and mm-hmm. he would say, "Ah, dance, I dance to try and make myself happy." And then by the end, you realize like how badly he's actually affected by this and like how remorseful he actually is. I um, I kind of question that. Honestly. I don't. I do not. Uh, I think the reality of everything is just hitting him because now he actually gets to face his actual, like, the reality of what he did because mm-hmm. he was always brainwashed as being such a good person. Where, again, I'm not forgiving this guy. I, I could never. Yeah, no, 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 just, no. I. I appreciate the fact that this guy is now miserable and hurt by everything that he's done because he's in realization of the shitty things that he's actually done. The last scene where Anwar reenacts the choking and he can't do it. And then when he does the last, uh, that last interrogation and then the recreation of the strangling that he was well known for, they were well known for because it had no blood. Well, yeah, Uh, he uh, improvised that strangulation. Like he was the guy who thought of, he he was like proud of it. Oh, I thought of this great way to like kill people. So we didn't have to clean up as much blood, you know, like, yeah, great. But, yeah, it was 
you could tell you could tell throughout him doing this it was the reality of everything that he did like he talks about the nightmares that he had he tries to find reassurance in all the other people that are around him and every time he mm-hmm. shows weakness everyone's like no no they deserved it they did it and even at the end when he's recreating the whole scene he there's like this dead person in heaven who says thank you for sending me to heaven so it's like he's trying to find forgiveness for all the shit that he did and trying to realize that what he did was good and he realized that what he did wasn't good anwar had some sort of feeling or realization or empathy or i shouldn't say empathy but like sympathy or for like what he actually did it was like the truth kind of finally hit him in the face someone's basically saying hey why'd you do this and they talk to you individually they're asking you and it was this whole that's why i loved it this the way they did this uh direction because he got to reflect on his actual own feelings. He got to actually say without trying to defend himself. It was just open interpretation. It was literally like a psychologist sitting in front of you being like, how's your day? And you just start fucking blubbering and crying. Mm-hmm. It's just that that realization that you're a shitty person. I don't know if I accept your your uh, your opinion <laughs> on that, but I, I don't I don't know if I don't know if I if I actually believe he feels as bad as you're as you're saying he does. Um, I feel like it was kind of performative the way I was looking at it. Like I felt like there was a lot of crocodile tears going on or, or fake crocodile vomiting as it were when he was up there on the roof there. I feel like he was really hoping to write himself as a hero and he's kind of realized that wasn't going to happen necessarily in this documentary. So he was trying to maybe write himself as someone who is at least human and a bit more remorseful for what he did. And I think he, lived a lifetime a lifetime of actually feeling bad for what he did but always being told otherwise so he never felt it and then all of a sudden when he gets to reflect and talk about it and when he's asking other people and they're not feeling the same way he is he's realizing like he's something's wrong like he's well i i hope you're right and i'm wrong about that but you know he's dead so we can't ask him about it but we can't but that's what i'm hoping for like i was saying earlier i it's one of those things because we're never uh, like these people are never ever ever going to see justice for the crimes that they did Mm -hmm. uh because in there they're hired legal killers who were celebrated for torturing and murdering people for supposedly being communists yes some of them may have been communists but then you know that they just took whoever that they didn't like and just murdered them whether or not it doesn't matter if they're communists or not what they did was fucking awful but yep. you just saw people who were trained to believe that what they did was for the good of the country for the good of god for the good of the people and for fame fortune and all the rest of that stuff like oh my god the the scene where they talk about going into villages and raping women they're like i'll rape all the women and then the, mm-hmm. the, the oh my god the 14 year old like you find a 14 year old oh Oh, I was like, oh, this, oh, like that. The one guy who talked about. Oh, and I think this was I think this was the guy that, if I'm not mistaken, the guy that I think's like the real, like the most evil of all these fuckers, the um, Adi uh, Zolkadri, who, in my opinion, is probably like the one of the most stone cold fucking yes. psychopaths I've ever seen in my life. Like this guy has no pretense like he is the epitome of like not pretending having no remorse he is just cold banality of evil his eyes are so dead half the time you see them there's like shots of him with his family where he's just staring off in the space his 
he he has like the philosophical conversations with Anwar Congo, right? Where Congo's like saying, "Do you know? Do you ever feel remorse?" And he's like, "No, just go to like a a head shrink, and he'll he'll solve your problem for you. You'll be fine, or whatever. You know, like it's it's fine. We what we did was right. It was like evil debating itself, kind of like and you don't feel any remorse. It was like no, 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 no. Like that's weakness. They deserved mm-hmm. it. Like even saying like what was the thing he said? Like we need to issue an apology, so it makes us seem like we're good." Like, just so people have something. Mm-hmm. It was, like, this moment of just saying, like, hey, maybe people can quit bitching. We'll say we're sorry so that people have something so they can finally leave us alone and respect us to the heroes that we are. Like, it was yeah. really brutal how his his uh His defense, is, his justification whenever he bothers to offer any, he feels bothered to offer any, is, like, all whataboutisms. Oh, well, you, you talk about what we did. What about you guys with Saddam Hussein, you know? And, and then, you the know, Holocaust. He's, he's, mm-hmm, yeah, it's like he's not wrong. But I mean, at the same time, it's yeah, there's a lot of evil fuckers yeah, in the right. world. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're still an evil fucker. It doesn't take away from it. And oh, that fucking guy, man. Uh, when, they're do- when they're doing the... Um, they're doing like the rehearsals for the interrogation thing. And oh, oh and by the way, the, the guy they have is like the Chinese uh, guy they're interrogating or whatever. Uh, he's like the son of somebody who was killed by one of these people. His stepfather was murdered by Anwar. Yeah. And and so like he he's he's there like pretending like he's cool with this shit when you can tell he's not cool with this shit at all. But he has no Hyena choice. Laugh. Hyena yeah. laughs. That's another one. <laughs> I'm going to mm-hmm. throw that term out a lot because there was so much of it. But fucking Zolkadri here, he starts telling like the people in, in charge of the production and stuff like, no, don't do it this way. Don't try to make it look like we did it this way to make us look better, quote unquote. We did it like this. We did it this way. We fucking killed these people this way. Make it as fucking on point and uh, true. True, true to what we did as, as possible. Um, and then you have this little segment where this wormy little fucking journalist who was like a, who, you know, he works for the, that publisher guy who's just, I wanted to kick his fucking face in that little wormy fuck who like just, you know, totally admits to, oh yeah, we brought him up to my office. The communists, we brought him up to my office and we killed him. I didn't even have to kill him. I just had to like, you know, blink at somebody a little bit, you know, like wink Shame at somebody. The information that they said, mm-hmm. like literally admitted to lying in order to get this person fucking killed. Oh, I just like, wanted to rip. I wanted to rip his fucking head off. But but the, the, the fucking journalist who was working even back then at the time, and he's just like, I guess he's he kind of uh, Anwar kind of mentions that he is kind of like living off the fame of being associated with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like he so he never got rich necessarily, but he, he kind of like tries to gleam as much fame as he can as being, you know, like anti-communist or whatever the fuck from back in the day. And during the rehearsals, he's trying to play off. You know, he's trying to suck up to these guys like, you yeah, I never saw anything. And, and Zulkadri just totally calls him. out. It's like bullshit. You were there. You were there when we did it. We, now, how could is- you not see it? This was one of those things where either he was lying or he was so in denial of what mm-hmm. was actually happening that he was willingly turning the head, his head the other way. He didn't want to believe that they were doing this. Yeah. Uh, so he would 
willingly turn his head away. And that's the case of spouses who find out that their uh, significant other is a terrible human being and they see all the signs, but they just choose to ignore it. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm kind of like, I don't know if he's actually lying or if he's actually just, he actually went in denial entirely because he's could be he knows this is wrong but he's gonna believe that it's okay and that they're not doing something really bad but maybe it's okay like that i i i I felt like he was just a brown noser like he was just he he so wanted these guys to just keep keep him associated and then part of their circle and maybe it's you know gonna help him out at some point you know he he read to me as like just the typical suck up who who just is always up somebody's ass kind of thing, you know? Um, the one thing I want to bring up, the reenactment that they had right at the beginning of the movie where they were looking for people right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And uh, Herman was going up to the one woman and said, hug this ugly child. Like, <laughs> it was just so bad. But then mm-hmm. uh, when they were doing the reenactment, they were screaming and stuff. And afterwards, they're all laughing. And it was like this entertainment of history of the incredible, terrible things they did. Like they were making it a comical thing for the things that they did that were so awful. It was like excusing their bad behavior by making it entertaining. Wasn't it Herman's daughter that was one of the actors in that? I'm pretty sure. That was the second one. No, that was the second one. So the first one they did uh, right at the beginning when they asked that woman to be in the the movie and she said no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then shortly after they did a quick reenactment in the street. The second reenactment was an actual village where they burned down the house. That was also something I want to bring up. Because first of all, Herman's daughter, the kids, all of them, after that reenactment, it was so traumatizing that the kids were sobbing uncontrollably. Herman Mm -hmm. grabs his daughter and says, you did really good out there, but now you look weak because you're still crying. That traumatized her, just the reenactment alone, traumatized her so bad that she was still crying. All the children were still crying. And that one woman passed out. Yeah. And it... It was like they were trying to bring her back, and it like you could tell the one person actually cared, but the rest were just trying to get the movie to keep going on. Like mm-hmm. one person actually had some sort of remorse, but just even seeing her, the stress on that whole that was a reenactment. That was a reenactment, and it fucked all of them up in a reenactment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the house burning, and then I'm these are all reenactments I want to talk about. But then the one where the the leader of the military. What were they yeah, called? Yeah, the uh, the the pan the the pan castle youth or whatever the fuck the it pan is. Pan castle youth. Yeah. Yeah. The pencilla, pencastle, pencilla, pencilla. I, I, I can't remember know. how it's pronounced, but yeah. Me neither. Anyways, the the military group that uh, were doing the reenactment, they were about to go, and they're just like screaming, yelling, saying, "Yeah, let's murder these communists! Let's go! Mm-hmm. Let's get these commies!" And they were chanting the song, and the guy stopped and said, "Hey." This is our opportunity. I don't, this is, this is, seems like we're just going out for blood. We're not going out for blood. We're not murdering these people. We're just eliminating the communists for the better good. Like just that directional piece irked me so bad. Mm-hmm. Like it was, ugh. did that not piss you off? Everything about this movie pissed me off. Like it was, it was just, I, I was watching this and, all I was thinking is that this is just a couple steps away, just a few steps over the line for like Proud Boys in the U.S. and any other sort of like white nationalist group uh, that 
has gotten like a lot of prominence in the last few years. It's scary close to kind of happening. And I think it's, I, that's, that's kind of why I kind of wish Daniel had managed to get on for this, this show, because I'm sure you could have gone into a bit more detail on that sort of aspect. But I feel like more people should watch this. It should maybe open their eyes a little bit on just how close the U.S. is like sort of coming to this, to at least to some degree. I wrote a paper in my first year of university about the importance of educating uh, people. And mm-hmm. one of the big things that uh, you learn in psychology people who are less educated so are less brought up with seeing different things i don't mean just going to school i just mean everything like seeing different aspects seeing different um, isolated from different different viewpoints yeah. of people and stuff yeah. yeah so school is really good for that because it opens up your mind but then also opening up your mind to other stuff in general it's good but those people who lack that education are easier to manipul- manipulate mm-hmm. so these are kids, these are people that from childhood, they are brought up with these propaganda movies where there's tons of blood and gore and tons mm-hmm. of murdering and tons of all this stuff being like, don't be a communist, respect your government, follow what we say. It doesn't matter if you're against us, like follow what we say, do as we do, do as we say, like all that stuff. Do as we say, not as we do. Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. So you see it because you hear about these people being like their only education is basically the military and all the rest of the stuff. Like that's what they're brought up with. That's what they're brought up believing. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what they're being told. So in countries like the States, the only reason, a big reason why it doesn't become as extreme as Indonesia is because we're have more options for education. So a lot more people are able to go against it and see the bad about it and actually kind of uh, stand up because unfortunately just the lack of information that's available to people because a lot of outside resources do not come in. It just shows like how they can take them at such a young age and like mold them into the soldiers that they want. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so awful it's, well, yeah, it starts at a young age it just starts at mm-hmm. a young age i mean even to this day indonesia has gotten a bit better the guy who is the um sort of architect between behind the sort of military takeover who was you know running the country up until about 1998 or something like that he died a few years later after he got posted from power or whatever but i guess there are some reforms but there's just so many corrupt aspects of their society still that there's not a lot of headway if anything it's i guess there's more open conversation about what's happened but doesn't seem like there's a lot of forward momentum from what i was sort of reading and i think there's still probably a lot of indoctrination shitty as those fucking propaganda movies are i kind of want to watch all of them just to see what they're like because they're actually they look really well produced they look like 70s exploitation films honestly i want to see them as well like i'm curious Mm. about them as well i also kind of just want to like i didn't read anything about the uh quote-unquote film they were doing with with the murderers here I don't think it was ever necessarily finished uh, or completed as as an actual film. I don't think. I think I, I don't even know if it was intended to be like a, an actual film. I think it was just supposed to be dramatic recreations within the documentary. Is kind of what they were going for here. I guess is is, is probably what they were doing. But um, yeah, they were trying to show. Oh my God! When uh, Anwar showed his grandkids the torture scene, <laughs> they didn't ah! look too happy. No, they they were the well. One of them kind of was 
maybe was laughing just because it's like, oh, grandpa's showing me a funny thing and I have to laugh or something. But even the director was like, Anwar, really? Anwar, do you want to do this? Mm. Are you sure? This is really graphic. This is not made for kids. Are you sure? Like, kept warning him. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. This... This the, was not uh, not a fun watch. <laughs> it wasn't a fun. It, I had to watch it in two sections because I remember I was getting really angry the first time around, and oh, the way it's hilarious because the whole time uh, they know that what they're doing is bad. You get that mm-hmm. comment all the time because they mention they say uh, the winners are the ones who tell history um, the the leader of the military group was talking about trying not to make us seem evil the the friend of Anwar the really evil one mm-hmm. uh, he was always talking about oh they're going to try and always make us seem like the bad guys like there's a, a realization that what they're doing is wrong and they know it's wrong. They just don't give a fuck. Like they, yeah. they have all the power and all the fame and all the money. So why do they care? You can see that in them. Like you can see there is this idea, but they know they just have this fucking power. So mm-hmm. why would they let it go? Oh, They're no, like better than either of us are. Like they yeah. have everything. Like the one guy just buys shit because it's expensive and rare. That, I was but, just about to mention that fucking guy. So that guy, He's just like a politician. I think he's connected to the military group or something like that. He thinks he's a great guy. He thinks he's a humanitarian and a great guy. You can honestly see it in his fucking face. He goes to travels the world. He buys expensive glass and crystal and 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 jewelry and stuff like that and and ornaments and statues. Has this big collection. Boasts about it. Look at look at this stuff. Very rare. Very. Uh, uh, very hard to get shit, you know, and he's very boastful about it. Then he goes on to talk about how he bought up $2 million worth of land that was, that had people on it. And he's just like, well, yeah, we drove them out. And now I have land for all of my birds to live on. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Like you, he fucking basically pushed a bunch of people out of that area and reserved it for himself just so he can have some birds on there. And he thinks he's a good guy for doing that. Like, he honestly thinks he's a good guy for doing that. You can see it. The other thing was how they justified murdering the communist was saying, like, oh, these people fuck our wives and they steal our money. Mm. When they right, they meant to brag about shaking people down and raping anybody they walk into like anybody anybody they go into so it's I think like maybe a small percentage might do what they say they do but you're the ones doing what you hate like you are the epitome of all of what you do total 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 hypocrisy through and through it's just it's so gross so fucking gross Oh, this is the one. Um, so the military, this is the big thing they said. We want to, like, we exterminate in a more humane way. Mm-hmm. That hit me really fucking hard because I, what? You're going to exterminate people in a humane way? That's what you hear people talk about when they're, like, killing animals in labs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's a more humane way. That dehumanizes the people they're oppressing. It's like, oh, well, you know... Think think of these people more like, you know, stray dogs and cats. And we take them to a shelter and put them down humanely. That is the exact point for point comparison there, yeah. I think. Um, and then um, 
He says, don't look brutal. That's not us. Mm -hmm. You rape and murder villages, but don't look brutal. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... It's it's them. It's them. Like this is documentary. This documentary, how they did it, this way they did it. Really showed them, truthfully showed them this is what you look like to the outside world. This is how you are to the outside world. And you could tell that there's a lot of the like the reactions, how they answered questions or something after a reenactment. You could tell they're like, holy shit, we look like fucking assholes. We look like terrible people. It was a good way to do it because they did it in a way saying, hey, no, no, it's you. You guys are doing this. We're not touching it. Like, you are telling us the story. We're not here to sugarcoat it or whatever. We just want your raw material. We want everything as you as it comes. Like, come yeah. as you are. And then they do it, and they see it, and they're all of a sudden like, oh, oh, maybe we're not, like, good, but, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe we shouldn't have said <laughs> Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have said that, or can we do another take? You know, like what? What the fuck? Yeah, let's. Oh, we look kind of like assholes. You know, that kind of makes us look like assholes, even though these are the chants that they actually did, like because Mm -hmm. they're the chants of the fucking murdering the communists. But no, that looks too brutal. Like, (laughs) oh, it's it is it's very rage inducing. Um, I got one last. I got. Sorry, go on. I got. I got. I got one last thing. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to ask and I'm not trying to be flippant about this um, do you think Herman Koto is an actual cross-dresser in real life? I um, in a lot of uh, countries um, it's a lot of Asian countries that I know of where it is common for males to play female parts so it's uh, normally traditional so I'm um, more thinking that in a lot of countries where women are not as respected uh, and kind of second class, that they will take males and make them into females, and it's normal and is seen as normal. Okay, yeah, because I was I was wondering why we keep keep seeing him like he he's almost like this incredibly murderous version of divine, you know, like it's at yeah. some points like he's he's so dressed up and stuff and so audacious in his in his costumes and things. Yeah. But I was I was just I just kind of thought to myself if he actually was a cross dresser, would he actually be accepted in the society if he wasn't like a protected class, you know, like if he wasn't oh, like this murdered, protected like, gang. Yeah. But uh in this case it is common. Like you even saw it at the beginning. There's a lot more affection between males where it's seen as normal. Arwin and his buddy, I always forget his name his his uh sadistic buddy were holding um, hands at the beginning oh yeah and, that's right yeah, yeah yeah and then there was like the hand the shoulder holding there's a lot more hugging there was a lot more affection so it's a lot more common for males to show affection one and two to dress as females when it comes to acting because hmm. women are not as respected like it's not as common for women to join in i don't have a hundred percent facts on that i did not check this beforehand it's just information that i have like in general from other things that i've heard so that's the only reason i wasn't as shocked when i saw herman because that's my assumption Hmm. um but i do have to say herman is the messiest toothbrusher oh my god that what kind of toothpaste was he using too because he was like dropping a big bucket of water down his throat pour the whole tube of tooth he's like i can afford this let me I just guess. pour it all in my mouth like let or me just show off my fortune or was he using a bar like uh, i will i will say you know good on him good hygiene i guess you know especially for a guy who doesn't take care of himself otherwise but looks at things. that many suds 
You don't need that many suds. That's all mm-hmm. the wasted soap. That's not gonna make you or toothpaste. That's not gonna make you. It's gotta be. That's gotta that be. A, that's gotta be a gritty fucking toothpaste though, because fucking he pours a bucket of water on his face every time to like gargle and stuff, and it doesn't get rid of the fucking beard of toothpaste around his face. I'm like, on his belly. Yeah. Like oh, okay. The only other thing I want to bring up this d- d- directive pointed move to have absolutely no music during the credits mm-hmm. so goddamn powerful especially since most of them showed up as anonymous anyway yeah. like I, I i honestly stayed and looked at the credits because of that i was intrigued and the lack of music gave you this somber like uncomfortable feeling like after everything you just watched especially with like arwen um throwing up and like Arwen realizing the shit like his techniques were how fucking awful they were like Mm -hmm. Cody and I were joking we were saying after this probably committed suicide just (laughs) said fuck it like just (laughs) I mean there there are like I'm 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 still not convinced that he actually felt remorse but I mean there are there are reports that he like he reached tell people in his in his final years that you know he he was con- he was starting to have more problems with people and to be more like uncomfortable going out and things like that apparently so i mean if if that's the truth then good at least maybe he felt some sort of fucking pain and was I, haunted but i i don't i just don't know if it's if he, if he is i i honestly took him from beginning to end i took him from like him joking around doing the dancing and all that stuff and then the him like trying to like open up to people and then the him like going on and um having struggled with that scene i don't again i'm only an undergrad in psychology i don't have that much information i'm taking the minimal minimal information that i have but seeing those like the dancing as a defense mechanism, the hyena laugh again as a defense mechanism, mm-hmm. the justification as a defense mechanism, it's a realization you're doing stuff wrong. And it's a realization you're a piece of shit. And it's just you trying to find any ways to make your seem like seem that you're not. And I think him reenacting his murder on himself was a real kind of because even they showed you like the beginning, the first scene where it was that same place where they torture people mm-hmm. to the last scene where he went back to that same place so i honestly truly do believe i know this is a critic as well like a lot of people critique this and had the same opinion as you did i truly do believe because from the beginning i saw pain in this guy's eyes the way he joked about murdering people like it wasn't him like it was this defense in order to make him seem like he's this cool guy who murdered people Uh to the end where he was throwing up with like his freak out and his hate for himself um and i do hope i do hope that's the thing that happened to him i hope that his whole life haunted him and i do hope that happens to more of them unfortunately they looked boarded up with this being said as well though people who have massive walls up and all that stuff like don't allow anything in don't enjoy life mm. as much as it's not much of a just or justice in any shape or form but they really don't care for their lives like their lives are meaningless and they're shit but in Arwen's case, I think it was uh, it was the moment of yeah, bud, you fucked up. Because mm. <laughs> that last, okay, sorry, I'm gonna go on to this. Um, but that last dream sequence where they said, "Thank you for getting me to heaven." That part was so powerful because that's what he wanted to believe. He wanted mm-hmm. to believe he was doing good. He wanted to believe he was doing God's work, and I don't think he believed it. Because he even questioned it. He didn't understand why they had to do this, but he just had to. Like, they just had to do it because they were mm-hmm. told to. 
and that's like the whole um yeah go on something else never mind, never mind. <laughs> sorry no I, I i honestly hope you're right uh you make a convincing argument i'll say that so there are two cuts of this film there's a 122 minute theatrical cut and 159 minute director's cut i think we both watched the director's cut yeah. i think yeah so yeah. three hours but it I, I didn't feel the length of it. Like I was just horrified for the whole thing. So I wasn't really noticing the length so much as just I staring at the screen. For sure. Did you? Yeah I, yeah. I I did it all in one go and I was just, Oh my God. Well, what more are you going to throw at me? Um, yeah. I had to take a break. I was, it was getting a little bit much for me. I was also really hot. Cause like mm-hmm. we had massive humidity going on here. So I was getting irritable because of that. And then watching the movie at the same time, it was just the perfect combination of being like, mm, no. <laughs> mm. uh, so interesting fact here, the Indonesian death squad members shown in a film who actually recreate real murders that committed almost 50 years ago were paid a modest per diem for their dramatic efforts. So most, almost, almost, uh, Surprised he didn't get like SAG cards or some shit too, you know, like fucking. Um, Just give a Nobel fucking prize, why don't you? <laughs> yeah, might as well give him a give him a fucking Academy Award. The co-director as well as forty eight other members of the film crew in twenty seven different positions are credited as anonymous because they still fear revenge from the Death Squad killers. A forty one year old Indonesian who shared directing credit with Joshua Oppenheimer and uh, Christine Sin could only wonder. How could these people tell these horrible stories so lightly and proudly? You just want to challenge them right away, but you have to keep telling yourself to be patient, to let them tell the story the way they like, because then we can learn something about the whole system of destruction. And that's the whole point behind this. I yeah. I applaud them. The director, when he was asking questions, I applaud them. Because, like you said, you just want them to jump out and murder or murder. Oh, uh, that, 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 that publisher guy, I... I wouldn't be able. I wouldn't be Herman. able. To, all, well, all of them, but I mean that that fucking that little wormy publisher shit. Like I, I would not be able to be in the same room with that fucker and and stop myself from this like kicking his face into goo. Like it's just guy bragging about raping fourteen year olds. Fourteen year olds, mm-hmm. uh, plural. Um, that one as well. Yeah. Anyways, so those those all those scenes. So yeah, we we mentioned it throughout, saying like we actually got the raw footage. We actually got like the truth behind all of this. So I applaud the directors like a thousand times over because wow, yeah, oh, that was heavy. Yeah. And to be there in front of them, we were yep. behind a screen. To be there in front of them. And to yeah. ha- like have self control, like I would have accepted my fate and died if I could have just murdered or punched one of them in the face. Budget for this was one million. Box office was seven hundred twenty-two thousand, which is actually pretty good for a documentary. Honestly, documentaries, especially ones that talk about real shit, don't tend to make money. So there you go. Um, but I mean, it won a lot of awards. Got nominated for a lot of awards. It's everywhere you can literally find it basically everywhere it's multiple blu-ray and dvd releases it's on itunes google play amazon prime voodoo and there's a couple versions on youtube as well probably daily motion uh and there's one on documentary like a documentary website like you mm -hmm. can get that one there too yeah that's that's the one uh i think that was given to you for your course was it not no it's one i found oh okay okay yeah uh, but yeah, so actually, I do know what we're doing next time. 
Uh, we're going to have a, as, as long as plans work out, of course, p- potentially an old friend of the show, Gary Hill from Cinema Beef, is going to come back on the show next episode. And we're going to do Singing in the Rain. Oh, my God. That's another one I have to do for school. Oh. Well, th- yeah. there you go. That, wor- that works. It's a little early on my list, but I'm stoked to do it. Yeah, I'm actually really excited that we get to do this one because, yeah, that's another one that's on my list of movies I'd have to watch for my class. Awesome. And uh, Daniel might actually be back for that one because he was like, I'm sorry, man. I'm just I'm tapping out tonight. I can't fucking show up. It's like, all right, uh, we're doing Singing in the Rain next. It's like, oh, shit. I love that film. Going like opposite spectrum. We're going from the dark as possible to like musically happy. And although, you know, that those are the those are the films Anwar Congo wanted to like portray himself in as you know like the the American musical where you know everything's happy and and thematic and, and fun and yeah oh my god okay so this is my last 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 point okay uh, I did think it was funny uh, that they were so hell bent on uh, preserving their um, political side and their culture and all that stuff but uh, when the Communist Party uh, suggested removing American movies. Uh, they went like fucking AWOL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I absolutely agree with bringing other cultures in, but I did think it was funny that they were so, you have to be like us, you breathe us, you understand us, you read us, whatever, you be us. And then it's like, oh, American movies, yeah, bring them in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, like, yeah, Anwar and, um, and Herman, they were when they were gangsters, they were like theater gangsters or movie gangsters or whatever the fuck they said, where they, they were reselling tickets uh, and, you know, and basically running a, an illegal theater business, basically kind of thing. And uh, so, yeah, when, when it was like, the communists were saying, you know, and you can understand, like, sure, it, there, there's ideology behind it. You know, there's anti-American ideology and stuff. But at the same time, you know, you don't want the Western influence. And that's one of the biggest Western influences is their cinema and their media and their entertainment. They don't want that polluting the purity of our country or whatever, you know, of our ideals or whatever. But uh, bottom line for Anwar and Herman was the fucking money. We're not going to make any money if we're only showing these shitty movies that we make. We want the American movies that everyone wants to watch, you know? So yeah. it's like, yeah. Um, so, Lady Lee, you have anything to plug this time out? I do. Actually, I'm just going to give another shout out to Nick. So, Maxwell Star, mm-hmm. every Wednesday, his beer review. I most likely may be on it. So, if you want to see my pretty face, go there. Mm. Yeah, sometimes I'm on there too, so you can see my pretty face as well. Um, you can see both my pretty faces. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to find the rest of our stuff, go to tmbdos.podbean.com where you can find our uh, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, YouTube links, all that good stuff. Join the Facebook group if you want to get in contact with us. Uh, best way to do it. And find out what's coming up on the podcast and all that. Make suggestions for movies you want us to watch. Shit like that. You know, we haven't had suggestions in a long time. Get on the Facebook group. Make some suggestions. Hint. We're open. Hint, hint. Mm-hmm. Hint. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Until then, we'll be back with Singing in the Rain. And thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Lady Lee. Uh, this was a fun thank discussion you. of a really horrible movie. Yeah, bad <laughs> um, topic. Mm-hmm. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye.
kau nampak cantik sekali Sungguh mengagumkan Oh iya, bulan Aku ingin menanyakan sesuatu padamu Sana aku di sini. Oh, iya. 
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For further episodes, our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. Drive through.